Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Well, here's another reason to hate goddamn fake fingernails. Because I'm eating the scones and suddenly I look down and I have a naked thumbnail. Oh, no. I can't just say, look out for a thumb, because it could melt. It's got that super (laughs) blue shit on it. Right. So I have like five cups of sticky scone dough. And I spent half an hour picking through it. Oh and never found the nail. So it's like, crap, I've got to make another batch. I don't have enough strawberries to make another batch. So I chopped up my couple remaining strawberries and then picked out the strawberry bits from the dough that somewhere has the nail in it. But are you sure you didn't did. are you sure you didn't like go to the bathroom where you're making the scones and it fell off in there? No, I looked because I knew that it was impossible. I mean, I was watching out for this because I don't trust these fake fingernails. <laughs> so it was like I was checking my nails every couple seconds. <laughs> we were just I talking not, about the nails. <laughs> had not stepped away from it. I looked down. It's missing. So I'm going through first the part of the dough that I was kneading right then, expanded out, went through the whole freaking thing, took me half an hour, never found the nail, picked so- out the strawberries that I could salvage. <laughs> Made another batch. Well, on the bright side, Pat. Yeah? There's at least the bright side, I want to hear it. Okay. The bright side is the nails, said nails, were actually blue, right? Uh purple. Purple. Yeah. So there weren't the same color as the strawberries. That's true. It, that could have been <laughs> even worse. So now I'm making another nail and filing it down to match because I have to have a full set for the show. So. Well Oh my. Uh, and then, yeah, so... Pat, you know what will make your day better? What? Taylor Swift, oh, Speak Now, Christ. Taylor's version comes out uh, on July 7th. She will not be deterred. I screamed in my bedroom last night. I was, I was barely screaming. I swear, Megan, your life needs a little more excitement. That was exciting! No, excitement that is not related to singers you need something more to occupy your mind nope <laughs> I'm, gl- ah! I'm glad you got to squeal all right now oh. that now that we have that out of the way bonnie is off today she is pursuing a side gig ah you make it sound far more exciting than it is yeah handing out sal- samples is probably not something that you look forward to in a career choice but hey you know it's one of those deals that you don't have to have a lot of hours to do and it's usually available on the weekend so it's a perfect fit for her the writer's strike of course going on yes but which... it's interesting i was looking it up because This is a book podcast, so writers, in my mind, are people who write books, but that's not the people who are striking. The striking people, the striking writers are screenwriters. Which means TV next year is going to suck ass, because they can't film anything right now. I remember the last time this happened, because that was why I lost track of Heroes. I used to watch that show. Yeah, I like that show, yeah. 
it got hit by the writer's strike and it was off for like a year or so before it came back. And yeah. I just lost track of it too much to ever pick it up again. Don't worry, but it was terrible when it did come back from oh. what everybody says. Yeah. <laughs> But with streaming, I wonder if it if we will not experience quite as much. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're all sort of used to this whole, okay, we'll watch a whole show in a week and a half. Exactly. And then wait another year, forget it all, go back and watch it again. And then. Yeah, because it's available. Gone. It's a whole different yeah. world than it was the last time this happened. Yeah. But yeah, that's part but of the problem, I think, because but they're you're still not going to get new stuff. Like if you're waiting on shows to come back. Well, that's not going to bother us, honey. We got books well, to read. The shit out of me. Yeah. I got a lot of shows that I watch. Well, you can watch all the back shows that you've been meaning to watch for all this I, time. Yeah, <laughs> There's true. a lot of shit out there that we haven't seen. I mean, you can still watch Jeopardy for a while because they shoot that sucker two, three months in advance. So. <laughs> yeah, we won't we won't feel the impact of it till Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, for as far as like live stuff. Like yeah. well, there are no late night shows. They they yeah, the that late, was the almost Im- immediate for that one. Gone. Did I did they wait to strike till James Gordon got his last show in? Yes, it like, was that was so close. Oh my god. James it was the week after James Gordon yeah. finished. They were like, let's just give him a minute. <laughs> I don't know if they did that on purpose, but it does seem pretty sketchy. <laughs> the last the last writer's strike lasted for three months. Yep. And as I was reading about it today, they're thinking that it might last even longer. Probably will because there there's so many more so many more complexities. There are. And I think that they probably would have gone on strike back in twenty twenty. I think they were raising up to a head about that time and then the pandemic hit so they're so, like never mind <laughs> so then they basically the stuff just kept building 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 and a lot of it is in regards to streaming because they're writing all of this material and they're only getting paid you know a tiny percentage of what it's actually worth so i'm sure that they're probably trying to change the way that's done and they're all very worried about ai and frankly they they should be yeah because maybe ai is not very good yet at doing timing and funny stuff but they're very good at technical writing here's how my brain goes with it so you have these hollywood executives they get ai to just write something and then take out the parts that aren't funny and fix those you know what I mean? That sounds like something that executives would do in that situation. Just pay a script doctor. A- exactly, a script yeah, doctor. Basically. So the, the writers become obsolete. You heard that that guy that I think it was Google that he left, the guy who was one of the main yes. developers behind mm-hmm. AI who was saying this shit is really dangerous. Yep. And he think I mean it sounds like he thinks we could have, you know, Skynet within a year and I think that there are really dangerous possibilities for it, but I think in the closer term, the issue that we're going to have is all of the creators out there, people who are artists and writers and songwriters and musicians and all of those people are going to be immediately and catastrophically affected by it. You don't even have to think in terms of Skynet. All you have to think about is people's pocketbooks now. Mm-hmm. They were talking about it the other day. They were talking about how the 
the AI doctors actually diagnose patients better than human doctors do. That's the other thing. The, you know, the future of the doctors, the lawyers, they won't need to hire paralegals anymore. You know, you probably still have to go fight in court, but all of that work that gets done by people, that's what's going to hurt. That's probably the thing that scares me more than the Skynet thing does, which, of course, that, that also scares me. You know what I bet they'd wipe out quick? Accountants. Exactly. That was the other thing that's on there. There's a whole list of jobs that will be wiped out. They might by need AI. some people to do data entry, but the actual knowledge of accounting, you can program that. Exactly. So I don't think we're even at the tip of the iceberg for that. The stuff that's coming for us, you guys, we are not ready. And I think that's what that guy was saying is we are not ready for this. Yeah. No, we are not. Well, that's not funny, but hey, it had to be talked about because this is, I mean, we're going to look back at this and go, that was the moment right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. What did you send us about a clown murdering somebody that's not John Wayne Gacy? I didn't get to read it because I was painting a shadow box, but I saw murder and I was like, I need to circle back. Okay. So I was just paging through the news as I do before we do this all the time. And I found a story about a woman. This guy's wife goes to the door one day. She answers the door and at the door is a clown with a balloon bouquet And she goes to accept the bouquet and the clown shoots her in the face and runs away. So I actually think I've seen this. Yeah. So fast forward years down the line today ish. The woman is now married to the guy whose wife was shot. And they found out that she was the clown. Oh, I feel like I do remember this actually like being an episode of something I've watched. This yeah. sounds kind of like that. Who's that famous murder on Long Island? The guy, the young girl and the, the guy who was like middle-aged and she went to his house and shot his wife. It was the real famous murder like 20, 20 or 30 years ago, maybe. Huh. But I mean, imagine the cheek of that woman. Okay. She, she does the whole thing. She does this whole thing years and years and years ago, back in the 90s. She kills her rival while dressed as a clown, takes off, doesn't get caught. Years later, she gets with him officially and they get married. And then years down the line. How did they prove it was her? Did it say in the article? I didn't read the rest of the article. I just read the part where, because I'm thinking, man, there are a lot of weird things that people do. And we read about that kind of stuff. That's the biggest reason that I was interested in it. Because I love murder mysteries. And the cold case type stuff is just so fascinating. It's like the, yeah. the criminals are really super smart. They think they've gotten away with it. And then something happens years down the line. I don't know what got her caught in the end that's why we have people like paul holes who go dig around in the old shit and did the husband know that she had was the one who had shot his wife i don't think so oh that makes i thought he like they like nope i don't think so here's that long island one. look at the article joey buttafuoco joey buttafuoco 
Yeah. Joey Betafuco. Amy, Amy Fisher and Joey Betafuco. Yep. Oh, yes. I remember that. That was huge in the news for a while. So, oh, I mean. When I, so, her hair fiber was found in a white convertible the police had um, served as the getaway car. So, they'd, like, found the car. And then, however many years later, they connected hair in the car to her. Was it DNA tested? Is that how they found it? Oh, yep. my God. Years and years and years go by and she doesn't get caught and then she gets popped by DNA. That's what happens though. Yeah, I know because people, that that sort of thing wasn't available when they committed the crime and they think they're going to get away with it. Just think about the future. Just think about the minority report when that starts to become reality. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. But you know what? If it solves some of these murders, I'm like kind of okay with it if i were a criminal and trying to get away with murder and paul holes showed up in my town i'd be like oh i'm fucked i'm just gonna turn myself in because because he showed he went to delphi after crime con last year which the delphi murders are like the two girls that were killed um, yeah on yeah the railroad trussle uh-huh. and he posted a picture on the trussle and the entire crime community was like oh shit paul holes is in delphi it's going down and, and, and they, sure enough, they got him they got him <laughs> So, wow. Holes rolls up. You ain't getting away with nothing. <laughs> He's coming for you. He cracked the golden I want to read so. I want to read a novel based on that killer clown thing. That's that creeped me right the fuck out when I was reading about that. I was like I, I bet it exists. I bet, I bet there's one out there. I mean, Gacy was is a it, killer clown. Is yeah, it clowns weren't creepy enough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Got a full body shiver over that shit quite i'm not being conspiracy of like diana's death but i mean camilla kind of played the long game too as soon as pat was saying oh the x y or like the you know i was like oh my god it's camilla but with murder (laughs) (laughs) she's sitting in the coach with the crown on going (laughs) yep it's okay though because diana made it rain so yeah (laughs) they didn't have a nice pretty day i i feel kind of bad for even thinking this But as I saw King Charles come out and he's got the cape on, right? And the cape is made of this elaborate fur. And we've all seen the queen in it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's got these bows on the shoulders. And when he comes out, I'm like, oh, he's dressing up in his mom's clothes. Isn't that sweet? (laughs) Well, and it's hard. It just looks looks ridiculous. If you're like looking at it from the outside, it's like... Yeah, sure. Put on mom's cape and head out. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's just it's, it's true. No other situation would that be a thing. Well, and you kind of see it in color because when Elizabeth was crowned, it was in like black and white. Yeah. Mm. So seeing I mean, it's, all it was, of the, the it, regalia in yeah. full color. You couldn't. Is... You couldn't not watch it if you had yeah. your television on today because it was on every channel. Youngest son of William. Because he's just five, and he holds it together so well for so long. But once he finally hits that "I'm five and I'm done with this bullshit" phase, he he Louie, he's he's Louie, uh, is my favorite because there's just nothing anyone can do to like pacify him. <laughs> and he's so, like when he throws his tantrums, like every five year old. I love just watching Kate try to be all regal and then be like, "Son, I'm gonna backhand you in the minute in front of like ten million people." She needs a spray don't... bottle down low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Charles is the oldest person ever to be crowned king. Yep. And yet 
You had to, well, I mean, there's got to be some irony there. He's just, he's waited his whole life for this job and he's going to be in it for like a year and a half before he dies of old age. <laughs> How old is he anyway? He can't be that old. He's in his 70s. He's in his 70s for That's sure. Se- yeah. He's not that old. 74? He's 74. Shit, okay, he's, so he's younger he than Cher. He 10 years in. He's got a long longevity gene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Both his him. parents lived to yeah. be in their 90s. Almost 100. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have British listeners, so um, guys, yeah. sorry I made fun of your king in his mom's cape. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, they must have put a little extra fur on the cape for him, too. They could have taken the bows off, though. Is it, it the same one, though? Are we it's, sure it's the g- same? That's got to be the same cape. It looks exactly like the one she wore. Since Bonnie's out giving out samples today... I think Pat should go first because Megan should be in the middle. Monkey in the middle. And I actually have a book that sort of ties back into our AI discussion. Ooh, Ooh, perfect. So I read a book called Lock In by John Scalzi. Speaking of John Scalzi, he's going to be in Oklahoma City June 30th through July 2nd for SoonerCon. Pat, I sure wish you and Ron could come for that. If you decide, oh, it would be fun. If you decide He's, to, I, I, I'll put you up at the house and get you tickets to the event. But anyway, uh, John. So John Scalzi is going to be heavily featured on this program for the next couple of months. Now, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, I've read a couple of his other books in the past. Uh, Red Shirts. If you were a Star Trek fan, Red Shirts is one of the funniest books you can read. And Old Man's War, which is a much more serious concept and apparently has a whole bunch of sequels, which I did not realize Mm -hmm. that I may check out in the future. But Lock In is a a single book, not part of a series. And it came out in 2014. It's one of those books that makes you look and say, when was this written? Because the storyline originates in a pandemic. Ah, yes. There are so many of the books I read that do that. So so many. So many. This particular pandemic, the the disease becomes known as Hayden's Syndrome, um, which is, it's named after the wife of the vice president of the United States at the time, because she is one of the first people, one of the first prominent people to come down with it. It's basically a flu. It kills a bunch of people, but not like the way most pandemic books. It's not like Captain Trips in in The Stand or mm-hmm. anything like that. But the effect is you you go through a first initial phase, and if you survive that, you're probably all right. And then you start to get symptoms that are similar to meningitis, and they have the result in something like 1% of the people who come down with it. But worldwide, that still ends up being a huge number. They suffer locked-in syndrome, Ooh. which if you've read like, the what is it, the butterfly and the diving bell or any of those, Ugh. it's that of neurological. You can't communicate. Ugh. You can't speak. You can't move. You're paralyzed. You can't move. You know what's going on, but you have no way to communicate with the outside world. And so the United States now has a bunch of people. Well, the whole, everyone in the world does, but this book is set in the United States a lot of people who suffer from this syndrome. And so technology has arisen. At the time the book takes place, the initial outbreak of this Hayden syndrome was 20 years before. So you have a lot of people who are suffering from this syndrome and a whole class of businesses has grown up 
that cater to the needs of the people who are locked in. Two of the things that cater to them, that allow them to have some kind of a life outside of their own body, one is they call them personal transports, and essentially they are androids into which the the uh, the person with Hayden syndrome has to have a special thing implanted in their brain, and it links with the android brain so they can transfer their consciousness into the android and go out and move around. Hmm. And the androids are known as threeps from C-3PO. Love it, love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you have, you have these threeps, but threeps themselves are becoming sort of a, a separate class of person. They're discriminated against. People don't mm-hmm. like them. They are, even though there's a real human brain behind it, moving it around, they still suffer from all kinds of prejudicial attitudes. The other kind of technology that arises is what they call an integrator. And an integrator is someone who had Hayden's syndrome, but didn't suffer from locked-in syndrome, a, per, a small percentage of people who go through that don't get the locked-in syndrome, but they do become what they call an integrator. And they can, with the aid of, again, of some implanted devices, they can serve essentially as a three. The, they can host the brain of someone or host the mind of someone who's locked in, move around. The, the integrator is still conscious, but they're in the background and the person who is locked in is the major driver of the body and the brain. There are some things that threeps just aren't good for. There are there are a very, very small number of integrators. I think in the book, it's something like there might be in the entire United States, something like it's either 10 or 20,000. We set out with the, the main character who is also a famous sufferer of Hayden syndrome. He got it when he was four years old, has been locked in ever since, but his family is very, very, very wealthy. His father was a star athlete and also a really smart guy who took the money from being a star athlete, parlayed that into entrepreneurship and is on the brink of a run for the US Senate. He's extremely well-known, and his son, Chris, is one of the best-known of the sufferers of Locked In. Chris has just become an FBI agent. He is the first Threep FBI agent. Whoa. I can already tell I have to read this book. (laughs) And his partner is a woman who was an integrator and stopped being an integrator because it... You go through a good part of the book, so I'm not going to say why, because that would be too much of a spoiler. But she was an integrator who stopped. And the first case they come across, an integrator has been found in a hotel room with a dead body, and someone has pushed a love seat out through the window of the hotel. It fell down and crushed someone's car. And they're up there trying to find out why this... And, and the integrator is saying, he's covered in blood, but his hands aren't bloody. And he says, I don't think I killed this person, but I don't know. I wasn't in control. Whoa. I don't remember. So there are some really interesting twists in this book because you find out the 
Another key component of the story is that the government, which has been doing a lot of subsidizing of the Hayden syndrome uh, sufferers for all for the last 20 years, has just passed a bill saying, we can't really afford to do all this. You guys are mostly going to be on your own from now on. We're not going to pay for all these special therapies and everything. Good luck to you. So the, the people who are locked in are really upset. And the businesses that have grown up to cater to those service, to those people are really upset. So there is economics at play. There's politics at play. There's the science of integrating and what you can and can't do with an special neural unit plugged into your brain. It also gets into the, let's say, advantages taken of, in this case, it's the Navajo Nation, uh, because they have fewer records that are kept on their people. And they also were about to try and build a, uh, they built a large server farm thinking that they could make this a workable economic resource for mm. the Navajo Nation. And then the business never came. There, there are so many threads that weave into this plot, but it's very well woven together. And another interesting character that you hear about more than you don't see her much, but you hear about her, the sister of the integrator who was found in the hotel room with the dead body and the sofa pushed through the wall is a Hayden's activist. And she is gung-ho on separatism for Hayden's sufferers, for those who are locked in. She wants them to be recognized as essentially a new life form and not forced to interact with the world at large through threeps or integrators. She herself has never done that. Or she, well, she must, because she is able to, to talk. So she's got an, an integrator she can talk through. But, uh, and she's organizing a big march and strike of Hayden's people who are, most of them are employed. It's their threeps that are out there working. Oh. She's organizing a strike she's organizing a march, she's become a target for a lot of people. So there is a wealth of different aspects of society that are all wound up in this book for a, what is essentially a murder mystery because the, the story is Chris and Van, his partner, trying to solve the murder that they come across originally. But it draws into sociology and politics and science and economics and all kinds of things, not in a way that's overwhelming, not like you get drowned in detail, but just the complexity of what goes on and how you can't pull one thread out of our society without unraveling so many others. And I thought it was just a fascinating book. It's a it's not terrifically long. It's just barely, I think, 300 pages. It was a quick read, really enjoyable. And I also, in, in terms of sci-fi, it made me think of one of my favorite stories, if we go back a few decades, by another great sci-fi writer, John Varley. And he wrote a story, uh, I think it was a pretty big award winner, called The Persistence of Vision, in which it was set on a, a preserve of... A, 
a, a separate piece of land that had was home to what they called the Kellerites. And the Kellerites were all our people who are both blind and deaf. And they have evolved their own society and really have no use for sighted or hearing people. And that story was all about how people think, oh, we need to, we need to cure the, or do something for them. We need to give them a way to substitute for what they've lost. And their point of view was what we found is much more valuable than what we lost. And that same idea is present in the Haydens. There's uh, there is one of the companies that says we think you know we're on the verge of perhaps finding a cure and something that would break the syndrome and you will no longer be locked in, and some of the Haydens are very much opposed to it because they think again what they have found through their new kind of societies that they've developed is more valuable than what they've lost. So there's. Although they don't dwell a lot on that, there's a little of that philosophical component in there too. Hmm. So this is a book with a lot of layers, a book with a really, it's a good whodunit story and lots more besides. I was pretty impressed with this one. And that is Lock In by John Scalzi. That's terrifying, Pat. Why do you always find the terrifying thing? <laughs> well, I, I just spent a credit on it, so. Getting real around here, Martha, spending yep. credits. I've, I've read a bunch of his stuff, but I have not read that one. All right, Megan, what do you got? Well, I went with a Disney retelling, and I read Once Upon a Dream, A Twisted Tale by Liz Braswell. And there are several of these they've done over the past, I don't know how many years, I have several different ones on my shelf, actually, um, where they go in and just kind of retell the Disney stories, but almost make them a little, like it says, a twisted tale. So this one focuses on Sleeping Beauty and what would have happened if she, what was happening, basically, while she was asleep. Because right in the story, she's sleeping the whole time and you're just seeing the rest of the world, but you don't really know what she's experiencing when she's sleeping. So we have Aurora, and she is in a castle with Maleficent. Maleficent is the queen, and they are encased in this castle with thorns. Uh, and Maleficent tells everybody who's now trapped in the castle that the outside world is dead, and I am protecting you all, so you have to stay inside the castle. So anytime they reference anything outside the castle, it's just the outside like, it's the outside. We don't know. They don't really know what is in the outside. They are because Maleficent has told them that the entire world has ended and our castle is an island unto its own, all because of my magic, because I'm a good fairy and I saved you because the king and the queen were evil. And so she's kind of spinning this her own tale. And Aurora starts to kind of figure out, like, something's up. Like, this is weird because the local minstrel, the joker, whatever he was, he comes up to her and he has like a feather and it's like a bright blue feather. And she's like, where in the actual hell did you find a blue feather? There are no birds. There are no anything. And she was asking around and people are like, stop asking questions. <laughs> like, this is not good. And so she really starts to look at the world around her. All the books, most of the books have like blank pages. So if she goes to read a book, it's just empty. But the, there's libraries, but there's nothing in the book. And she opens up one of them, and there's words in it, and there's stuff in it. And she's like, this is weird. 
and basically we're it's not really giving any spoilers but it, you're basically living what they've interpreted maybe was happening to sleeping beauty while she was asleep you're you're in her dream basically as the the fairies and prince charming are trying to wake her up and all these things the people that she knows from her real life are who she's seeing in the dream so she'll occasionally see the fairies there'll be little orbs floating and they're you know talking to her and it's really just her brain processing like hey this is not right maybe i should like wake up and fix it <laughs> so it's an interesting tale it talks a little bit about like i don't know maybe i'm getting too deep into it because i'm older than probably the average reader of these books <laughs> but it you know there's parts of it that only she can access that, you know, Maleficent couldn't possibly have access to work all these spells on her because it's her innermost version of herself and her kind of discovering her own power and what she can and can't do in the dream world. And can they get out of the dream world or are they just destined to be stuck there? You know, in the original story, she's on the way to get married. So there's a lot of people in the castle who shouldn't even be in the castle because they were only there for the wedding, but they're all trapped. Because they're basically like asleep where they were in the real world. So they're all in the real world just laying wherever they were at the time. And so you've got characters who she has seen or Maleficent has seen that are there. But in everyday life, they probably would not have been in the castle. It's because of what when they were there. So it's it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I will read the other couple that are on my shelf. I, I have one for Beauty and the Beast, and then there's one for Frozen that I bought over the years. Because I love Disney, so why not? It was just a good story of her journey, and interesting to think about. I never really thought about like what was Aurora experiencing while she was magically put to sleep this whole time. So it kind of answers that question, and... She gets to kind of be a badass. I think this is kind of their opportunity to give the Disney princesses their badass badges and be like, hey, you can do more. <laughs> so we're going to write that for you. I recommend it. There's, I forget, there's a lot in this series. And they're not all written by Liz um, Braswell. I think there's two of them. There's her and there's another author who kind of trade off when they write. So yeah, it was super fun. And that is Once Upon a Dream by Liz Braswell. And if you think about it, there's a connection between your story and Pat's. Weird sleeping things. Trapped, being trapped. Trapped in, in, trapped in yep. your own, yeah. Trapped in, in your, your own, own head. head. Exactly. Yep. That's true. That is very true. Look at that, Pat. Look at us. Look, Look at you at guys. Us. It's almost like you planned it. <laughs> Didn't even plan it. Just happened that way. Well, sadly, I can't carry on with that theme, guys, because I read this week... A sci-fi book that's kind of a fantasy book. It's okay. like both, which is really super weird. It's called Empire of Silence by Christopher Rocchio. And it's spelled weird. So if you're looking it up, just look, look up Empire of Silence. 26 hours. Holy bejesus. Of the audiobook. But the audiobook was so incredibly well done. I, I should look up that guy's name, whoever did the audio for it was so good oh my gosh he was good I was really honestly super surprised that I was able to get into this book because it felt so much like a fantasy novel in the beginning because the society 
was more like a medieval type society instead of the scientific community that usually oozes from the pores of all of of all the things that you've seen. So that was really an interesting twist in the way that was put together. The main character, Hadrian, is the oldest son of a baron. I think he's a baron. Anyway, he's the oldest son of a royal dude. Forgive my weirdness on that. Just and some royal dude. He's a royal dude. Some and, dude. And he's... Dude with a cape. The expectation that he has in his mind is that he is going to inherit the throne. You also get from him the fact that he doesn't really fit that mold. He is not... He, he's much more interested in learning languages of all of these different alien species. And his tutor is kind of, a, I don't remember what his class was, but it's sort of like a professor class would have been. The other thing that may, makes this really interesting is that the church, and, and in this case, it's called the chantry. And it didn't take me long to figure out where that comes from, the chanting, you know, the chantry. They're in control of everything, though. They, they most of the technology that exists is not allowed to be used. Even though they're a spacefaring society, the Chantry has control of all of that. Only they have the access to it. It's a blasphemy if you are involved in that sort of thing. So it was really interesting the way that was put together. Normally, I would have been done reading it in like, I don't know, two chapters because I just don't really like that old-fashioned church in charge of everything bullshit that goes on but the main character of this book I just loved him he was very bookish and I think that's probably why I was drawn to him in this way there's there's a scene early on in the book where he and his younger brother his younger brother's quite a bit bigger and stronger than he is and they do a lot of dueling together and stuff and one day they're at the I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically a coliseum where people come and fight to the death. And the brothers get the opportunity, if they want to, to go and participate in the fighting. Safely, of course. You know, if you're a royal, you get all the extra safety measures when you go into the ring. Well, he, he has no interest in doing that. He, the idea that they're even watching this is brutal and he doesn't like it. And his dad sees that as a major weakness and makes the decision for him right then that he's not going to be the heir. He doesn't tell him it till later. But you realize that that was a real aha moment for his dad. So his tutor is his basically his father figure and, and teaches him all of this really cool stuff. And he has the idea that if he's not going to be the king then he's going to go off and join this group of scholars instead. But then his dad says, oh, no, no, no. You're going to the chantry. You're going to be a priest. I've already arranged it, so off you go. Well, of course, he doesn't want to go do that. So he tries to get help in doing that, and there's a whole thing. I'm not going to go into all of it because it's going to ruin part of the fun for you to find that out, but... He ends up getting help from someone to get on this spaceship to go into 
to go off and try to find his way to uh, an academic area where he can learn and be part of that group. And he has a letter from his tutor to introduce him to them so that he can work there. Well, he gets on the ship and they put him under because, of course, it's a really long trip. And he wakes up and he's on this planet, on the street. They basically just opened up the thing and dumped him out on some planet somewhere. And so he has to try to survive. And so you watch him just basically steal and and beg and do anything he can to survive. He doesn't even know where he is. He has no idea. And he has no power. The only thing he has is his ring. But he he's basically on the run, though. He knows he can't really use it. His ring has some kind of storage in it that, that has all of his information and whatnot. So he, in the back of his mind, is thinking, okay, you know, if things get really bad, then I'll use this for leverage. Well, that's basically, he, he goes through a lot of stuff to try to get through this time. In the end, he ends up, well, shit. It's so hard to review a book like this because you don't want to give spoilers, especially when, let's just say that his languages that he's been taught as a child and his interest in languages gives him the opportunity, blessing and a curse, to talk to this alien species that that they're at war with. He comes across this alien and is able to have a conversation. And that just sort of changes the trajectory of his life from that point forward. There's some archaeology thrown in there. There's some zoology. It, it, it's just really... It's all the things I love about a sci-fi book, but it had a weird kind of fantasy feel to it with it being that medieval, you know, don't use the technology thing that was going on. Frankly, I'm shocked that I was able to enjoy it. It just didn't, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the Chronicles of Amber. The, the main character of that is also a royal who's on the outside and is having to do all kinds of weird things to try to get back in. And that is one of my favorite stories ever. So I think that that feeling that I got in the beginning of it was very amber-esque and just kept me going. And I absolutely loved it. It was, it was massive, epic, and a debut novel. So yay... And am oh, I buying favorite. it? Of course I'm buying it. Very excited to get to the rest of it. I'm sort of rationing myself on it. <laughs> because it's so, they're huge. Obviously, yeah. I have to read other things. And now that I've read the first one, I can't really review the second one. Because we don't really do sequels on this program. So I'm going to have to do that one on my own time. Basically, I'm just really super glad that I found this. It's... It just came at the perfect time for me, and I just enjoyed the hell out of it. It was so satisfying, and if you like sci-fi, but a little on the low-tech side, 
then you really might enjoy this. I certainly did. It's called Empire of Silence by Christopher Rocchio. And that's spelled R-U-O-C-C-H-I-O. 26 hours. Holy shit. But I loved every minute of it. There were a couple of slow spots, but I loved the main character so much. And he he just... 26 hours? How many pages does that translate into? I have no idea. You know me. I'm like the queen of audio. It's probably like 700 or 800 pages. I'm trying to think. No, it has to be more than that. Wow. Some of my Cassandra Clare ones are like almost eight or 900 and they're about 20 something hours, 26 hours. Maybe that's it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. It didn't, I don't know that it took me quite that long because, you know, I do speed it up just a hair. With this one, I didn't want to speed it up too much because I was enjoying it so much. And I love the narrator. Samuel Raukin was the narrator on that. He was so good. There's a crap load of stuff by this dude in here. By the narrator or by the author? No, by the author. author. I think I'm just really late to the party. The Sun Eater series is what that's called. Well, so when we're when Pat was talking about Heroes being the show that like she kind of lost in the last writer strike, Kyle mm-hmm. XY was the show that I lost in the writer last writer strike. Ah. It was on Freeform, but it was funny. So I was talking about it to somebody. I was talking about it to Rachel actually, and I was I was like, yeah, you know, like you got to Kyle XY, and then halfway through the third season, there was this big reveal about like the parents of Kyle XY. And all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, Kyle XY was the precursor to Stranger Things. Because Kyle XY is a teenager who just appears in the woods. He has no belly button. And like this family like takes him in. And then we can find him find out that there's like some weird science place in the woods that no one knew about. And then there's a girl that shows up that's from the same place. And I was like, holy shit, this was like the PG version of Stranger Things, but in like 2007. <laughs> oh, somebody's about to sue for royalties any time now. Holy shit. Because <laughs> I was sitting there, I was like talking to Rachel and I was like, wait, this sounds exactly like fucking Stranger Things. Just like not as creepy. <laughs> like... Wow. But yeah, this last season, there's this, like, this year, whole review. What year was the last writer strike? 2007. Okay. So to 2008. The writer strike is also how we ended up with reality TV because you ah. didn't need writers. Oh my god! Bring back Although the I'm... fucking writers! I hate, hate, hate yeah. reality TV. I'm not convinced that they don't write a lot of that stuff anyway. I oh, think they, they do. do now. Yeah, for sure now. But back then, that's why because at the time, like the real world was the only quote unquote reality TV show, and that was on MTV. We didn't have mainstream reality tv until the writer's strike and then they're like what can we do oh throw people in a room and make them like hang out together and we'll we'll make a story out of it that's why we got reality tv and um, the kardashian and american all- idol was the top show 2008 don't need any writers holy shit ah, here's a list of 10 shows that were totally changed because of the 2007 writer's strike oh this will be good okay okay Let's okay see. well of course, it's one of those stupid things you have to scroll through. Prison Break. I'm not uh, familiar with that one. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I really liked. I didn't, I didn't ever watch, watch it. Until, I didn't watch it until years. I only watched it two or three years ago. So You streamed it, huh? Scrubs. Yep. 
Scrubs. Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. The Riches. Not familiar with that I one. Vaguely remember that one. Supernatural. Yep. Pushing See- Daisies. Oh, Pushing Daisies was so God, good. I love Pushing Daisies. Man, you're right. That got fucked by the writer's strike because that was such a good show. And it just fell completely apart. Friday Night Lights. Yep. Heroes. Yep. Breaking Bad. I don't know. Because I didn't watch Breaking Bad until later either. And I think that came through okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Probably just lost following. I guess that's, I guess that's the 10 that they say were heroes yeah. is the one most people remember like tanking really quickly after the writer's strike i always wanted a pie yeah. shop called the pie hole because that's what it was <laughs> called in the show it was called the pie hole oh and pushing daisies yeah i don't remember that at all i only watched i probably started she, she watching worked it, at, and she worked the... in a pie shop the, the girl uh, I don't remember that. Oh, I guess I just love remember. I loved watching it. Well, and there's that. It's not on that list, but there was another one, um, October Sky. That oh, yeah. was on. It was so good. And it was only in like its first season when the writer strike happened. And then it, I don't know what happened to it. I never found out what happened. Like, wow. if was it that even the same came as the back. October Sky movie? The kids in West Virginia and the rockets and the, how the, how, no, yes, that's a movie, started. but it was, no, it was not the oh. same show. This ah. show, I think it was October Sky. I'm pretty sure it was. But we, Rachel and I watched it together at college. Like, we were always watching it. And then it just died hmm. a painful death <laughs> with the writer. Because all of a sudden, like, I guess it was, would have been our senior year. We're like, where's this show gone? <laughs> and, yeah, it was. There were a just... lot of good shows. Um, do you remember the show where there was a girl in the beginning credits who gets killed by a giant chunk of toilet ice from an airplane. Vaguely, but I don't know what show that was. Sounds kind of familiar. God, that was a good show. Of course I can't think of the name of it. If you know the name of the toilet ice show, (laughs) <laughs> then get on our Facebook page and tell me what it is, because I want to watch it again. It had Maddie, Mandy Patinkin in it. Well, since we're talking TV and, and movies, Star, the Star Trek universe has announced a new movie about Section 31 starring Michelle Yeoh. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty huge. I love Michelle Yeoh. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got a lot of catching to up to do on Star Trek, though. I haven't. I haven't. I need to watch Picard. Mom and I were watching it together, and Mom like got uninterested in it, and so then I just quit watching it. But I'm, I'm, I was still very interested, and I just haven't circled back to it yet. Yeah, it's and now it's done, good. right? So I, I, I can done, watch yeah. it and be like. I don't and when when you get to the end of it, there is after the final credits, there's a there's an extra, which Ooh. to me says there's going to be another series. Okay. I'll have to... <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Okay, hold on. I'm looking for... Okay, I'm in 2006. I don't know when it came out. I, I discovered it late. It got put on Netflix late. Like, way after see. it was canceled. I think it might have been 2005 or 2006. I mean, he had Criminal Minds in that time. Dead Like Me? Yes! Yes. Yes. Yeah, that, that, ended before the, that ended before the strike. That ended in 2004. Man, that was a good show. Yeah, that was two. It was only twenty nine episodes. So snarky. I need to go back yep. and watch that again. I mean, the darkest of the dark humor. 
totally unrelated to anything. So we'll see what shows. I mean, all this is going to do is push things like Lord of the Rings back. Rings it's of Power, push, you mean? Or ring, yes, Rings oh, of Power. Well, yeah, there's a Lord of the Rings thing in in the works as well. Yeah. yeah. Everything that you thought you were going to get in 2024. But like I said, it's okay. Because that just gives us more time to read. Yeah, book girls do not suffer during a writer's strike. As long as it's not the novelists. The novelists go on strike and we are totally pooched, man. We are screwed. No, you know what would happen? I would get through every book on this damn shelf. Yeah, and we all have safe. we all have TBR piles that will see. This would actually be a benefit. That's right. Stop. This is Spending not money. this is not gonna hurt us one little bit. It's actually going to be a little bit of a sort of like, you know, everybody read more during the pandemic. Well, yeah. this is going to be one of those times where people are going to read more because there's nothing on TV. I desperately need to read more because on for, in the bookstore weekend, I went to five of the seven here in OKC. So I bought one book at each place <laughs> and then some. Damn. Because I felt guilty going in and getting my little, they did like a passport book stamp, and I felt guilty getting my stamp and not buying anything. Oh. So, and then I waited on one book because I had, I had like two or three books in my hand at the first one, and I'm like, no, there's like four more. Spread this shit out. You don't need to buy three <laughs> books in each place. And so I was like, okay, I'll catch it in one of the other ones. Not one other bookstore in this fucking town had the book I was looking for. I was salty. Uh, that's the way it goes. Not though. to say that I didn't get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books. Cripes. <laughs> yeah, we're all addicts and we, we've got to catch up. So I guess we're, we will support the writers. Absolutely. By not watching television during this time. And it won't hurt no. our feelings one bit. That's a big old lie. I will be watching TV. <laughs> okay, so everybody but Megan. Well, this summer, we're getting so much content. It's That's why I feel like everything that was supposed to come out this summer is going to come out because it's done. Yeah. But then we're going to be in a hole because, like, we're getting red, white, and royal blue. We're getting, like, all these things Adaptations that everybody's that been waiting been written, for. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the second season of Summer, I Turn Pretty. Like, it's going to be a black hole <laughs> come fall of what we don't get. Like I said, I wonder if lessons in chemistry is going to, I don't know where they were on production for that. Mm. Uh, hmm. I get to meet Casey McQuiston tomorrow, guys. I know. I, I wa wonder why <gasps> you didn't bring that shit up. I she's, forgot. She's, I mean, I didn't forget. She's going to be I a forget. full circle books tomorrow. No, she's at the library. It's at the oh, library. Oh, that's right. It is at the library. It's the much, and you have, and the, it's full. Not that you could sign up because this is going to post after, but they, it is full. I, but I got my email that says, we got you. Because then I started having second thoughts. I was like, shit, did I click the link? Like, I got so excited. Did I remember to do it? Okay, so you have to give us an update. Shit, you won't be able to give us an update next week because you won't be here. You and your damn no. concerts, Megan. You need to get your priorities straight. Hey, you know, <laughs> I will post to our inst our socials, though. Okay. I, will, I will post. All right. Because... Well, since there's a writer strike, we don't have an ending. So <laughs> that's going to do it for Three, three book, book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. 
Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.